0: Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the CyberPro Podcast. Industry leaders share their insights. It's about five questions in nine minutes because hackers never sleep. We have a repeat guest. We're super excited for bringing some of these folks back. In this case, Chuck White, you were our 30th podcast in March of 2021. So we're pushing two and a half years now. And at first, you talked to us about cyber resiliency for understanding risk. And the podcast did well. We loves having you on. That's why we drugged you back to this round. And so, Chuck, what have you been up to
1: since the last time you were on the Cyber Pro podcast? Wow. Since, since 2021. Uh, in Fornetics years, that's like... 22 years is like 20 years in Fornetics years. Uh, <laughs> so, the, since 2021, wow. I would say few things. One, we, we've, we've taken the technology, our product, and we've been able to build a solution play around our technology. So that's actually sort of when you're talking about resiliency is like, okay. I've got great technology, but I need more of the equation to actually deliver that resiliency to you. So we, we really post COVID came out with that mentality, took it in stride. And, you know, we had a lot of, uh, you know, Everything from since the last time we spoke, we've, we've actually built out like a large industrial scale PKI for like device identity being used by one of our, the largest semiconductor manufacturers in the United States, uh, you know, continuing to put a story out there around how you build resiliency so of solutions. And then we the one that might've, you know, bit over some of the, uh, you know, social media and particularly defense circles. Was that little house and saber experiment where we may have just been the first tactical implementation of zero trust? So that is a. We've uh, been busy taking that, and I think that's the other thing is we. The other big pivot when we talked about resilience, we talked a lot about cryptography. We have this cool policy engine thing. Uh well, it took a while to get all the people in the organization—not the engineering side, but the rest of the company—wouldn't understand something. Oh, wait. That policy engine is kind of important, isn't it? Yeah, it's a policy decision point. So we've been able recently, we've actually been putting capability uh, out there so that you know, using us for straight up making policy decisions on transactions that have nothing to do with cryptography. Uh, example, uh, being able to trust chat messages on an individual basis, depending on sender and recipient. Or... You know things like making SharePoint more safe or API gateway type behavior. You know, so that's been a big piece of the type of work we've been doing since, and it's actually you know definitely been getting people's attention. And in fact, to really caveat that we were in a meeting with uh, leaders from uh, you know Pac Fleet Pacific Fleet, and one of the leaders is like, when he found out we did key management, he's like, they do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, and so so uh, I I literally just I have this huge all these senior officers in the room uh across you know you know Army Air Force U.S cyber command and here I am I just like I I guffaw nearly followed my chair because it's like well it t- took us long enough so yeah it's been a pretty eventful since, since 2021. still doing the you's thing though just better equipped you know we are better positioned to make it happen. and that's awesome Chuck Plenty of questions for you. How has the cybersecurity landscape evolved over the past few years? I, I make a joke. This is like pre-COVID. I think we might have said this previously. You know, and blockchain, uh, everything was about blockchain. You know, then, then around the... And then when blockchain was determined, it's 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 a growing technology. It has tons of, you know, vital usage and things like non-repudiation. Uh, but it was said it's not quite ready for everything yet. And so then everyone went to zero trust. And, uh, in that process, that was something that, you know, things started really kind of going that direction of wait, does anyone actually do this? And then the solution play became important because the zero trust has driven a number of things, but I would say the biggest driver is that it's forcing people to realize that cybersecurity is a team sport. Resil, cyber resiliency is a team sport. No one has a complete solution. Zero trust is not a product. It's an architecture. It's an approach. Uh, and so you can't, you can, can, you can have technology that contributes. You can have something that falls into one of the seven pillars of the hundred and fifty two controls, but you're not the entire thing yourself. And I, I think, but the fact that that's a reality and people are coming to terms with that it's, you know, it's also. I think in a more about that's getting kind of in the weeds for all of us who, who play in the space. I would say, arguably the biggest thing is that people come to, it's really sunk in, I think almost at a consumer level that it's not data security is really what everyone cares about. I think that's, and whether, you know, you're in operational technology, information technology, or you're dealing with your phone these are all means to an end and they have their own, you know, cybersecurity controls, et cetera. But ultimately what it all comes down to is everyone gets, this, you know, I'm wanting to protect my data and then zero trust being very much a data centric security model, sort of re- the, the, the two become And that's something that really, I don't, I mean, maybe with the timing of it started in like 2020, there was mentions of it by 2021, it was really kicking off But 2022. You start seeing policy come out around it, and it wasn't just you know high in the high in the sky things. You've got you know folks you know at the you know you know at the Pentagon you know uh, you know Randy Resnick for instance. He's actually this is what you are going to do. We have a strategy. We are going to make people do stuff. So that's a change. Now I think the real delta now though, maybe I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the questions I, which I have not received yet, uh, <laughs> is that uh, great one thing that Zero ordered you know, today years ago, I told people need to know follows process. So in a zero trust environment, you know, in that's in the, in that same line is what are the use cases? And I think that's going to be the big thing that people are going to be asking, particularly from an implementer, from the cyber profession, cybersecurity professional You know, great, you've got all these do, you do, you, know, you do dads and widgets that do things, but what things are you, what, why are you doing? What is, what it, What are you trying to do? How are you defining your, you know, your protect surface? Your, what does that actually mean? Why is that protect surface important or something else over there? So why are you, and that's going to be another big change because now that the you know, data is fluid, people actually have to think about how the data is used. So I think that's another big thing that's coming. Nice. Yeah. I mean, you
0: definitely pivoted into the next question I was going to ask around emerging trends, technologies, or approaches. Um, I'm still going to ask it, but outside of Zero Trust, are there any emerging trends or approaches or even technologies that you're excited about?
1: Well, this is where I put in my point about artificial intelligence. Uh, I guess everybody's talking about it. I could pick some other random thing, but, you know, if you if it comes down to it, the the, the ability to, you know, feed data, the ability to gain insights, find needles and over a, a number of techniques and capabilities. Artificial intelligence is one of those big emerging things that I think are becoming very important. AI is when everyone's gonna, you know, everyone is going to pick on because I would be like having my head in the sand if I, if I didn't, you know, didn't mention that, uh, I think another. You know, and thinking about other emerging technologies that are really starting to uh, rear themselves. You know, this not isn't gonna sound strange. You know, I can say quantum, cause you know, I do work in that space too. Uh, number of quantum enabled technologies, you know, working with vendors like Quantinium and Crypt. You know, they're actually taking these things and making them actionable. And I think the next emerging in cybersecurity, you you've seen it for you know this idea of truly distributed compute environments. So I want to say hybrid cloud, but that's another area in terms of enablement for what people great. You're use cybersecurity, but what are you doing cybersecurity on? And I think that's becoming another really interesting idea about what we're seeing here. I'm picking on that because I've actually working, you know, once upon a time, you just had Kubernetes, right? You know, you had Docker. Right, right. Got containers and microservices architecture. And you're going to do it all in Kubernetes, Podman, whatever. And now you're seeing multiple vendors that are all doing Kubernetes. And that's something that the last time we spoke, I think that's a couple that have become important because this ties to some of these other subjects, particularly when you think about how am I going to apply a cyber capability based off of AI enabling zero trust in an edge environment? with a blockchain I'm just kidding i mean it's the yeah, <laughs> idea mean, it's like uh the this is that, that 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 general given all of these things are dealing with the fluidity of data and that's why i think that's interesting to see various technologies coming to bear and i guess i'm not i'm picking on blockchain but you know it's it's it, 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 it i am seeing you it particularly on like the iot or like the Semiconductor level supply chain activities. See some really interesting use cases for blockchain there. But fluid infrastructure to support whether, you know, protection of data is really where all these things are coming around. And of course, that AI becoming a way to be able to figure out, you know, that's a lot of information moving back and forth. So finding needles in haystacks or, you know, you too much data for a human to process. So how do you help human process the data? So that, those are the things that, from an emerging trend, well, at least what I'm seeing. Nice. So
0: I know you have a lot of, of cool stories, Chuck. I'd love to hear a real-world cybersecurity story and what lessons or takeaways that we can learn from it. Okay.
1: So there I was. This is <laughs> just uh, about a month and a half ago. And you'll, you'll excuse me if I, and some, some of the story is going to be a little like, uh, just trust me, uh, I was in Australia uh, for the talisman saber exercise. And we had parts of US, Australia, you know, the army, the Marine Corps, all coming together. And the, and the architecture we thought we were going to be deploying got, flipped on its head and within a week it went from being in a corner to being the actual in the operational environment itself great for us uh but scary getting there and the, the lessons learned what came out of that was one uh you know systems engineering we talked about cyber security but there's an idea of systems engineering systems life cycle. you know becomes a critical aspect of learning you know how do you Address these solutions at zero trust architecture when you're not always going to be able to say, This is exactly what we're doing. You know, life happens, mission happens. uh So be, that was the, that was the, being in the process of doing that. And yes, having a cybersecurity background, but also saying, Great, I've got to work through some basic stuff, like how do I determine discovery? What is the system? You know, these are the, you know, Arguably, you could say it's the, but on a, on a, on a systems architecture perspective, uh, knowing, being able to fall back though, to understand systems, life cycle, really important light cybersecurity You can have not a single technology. It could be any number of technologies you're working with, but understanding how things have to come about just that, you know, when you're, you're putting your Lego blocks together, what it actually needs to look like at the end of the day, you know, there are basic fundamentals goes in-skirts and goes out good, that you have to actually be able to understand It also ties into some things like security by design by, you know, almost, I wouldn't say that was, mes- yes, the components all were in enabling security by design, but the same idea that having understanding systems lifecycle, applying it. So that was a big part of, you know, Talisman Sabre was actually going through the integration exercise of putting these pieces together to a specific purpose and realizing as much as we'd love to draw little boxes around our problems, having the discipline to deal with things when the box changes, but still be operational is really was, was the big surprise. That was, that was something that that literally the lesson learned is you could have all, you know, understanding, you know, be appropriate, you know, you, you know, your seven pillars of zero trust. You are a, uh, rock star in terms of defining your AND or JavaScript D3C or so RMF, you know, DD. Yet if you don't understand systems lifecycle and how systems generally have to operate work, then you might be doing your cyber and when the vacuum and then when the vacuum goes away, uh or something fills that vacuum, oh, it's a big surprise. So let's see Nice. Prep,
0: this is the fun question for you. We used to ask, what's your favorite piece of retro technology, but now what's your favorite piece of current technology
1: that makes you smile? (laughs) I could, I could give you any number of cool (laughs) widgets, uh, things that make me smile. Probably the coolest thing, and this is gonna sound weird, my daughter is getting, like, and there's a tool that she can use to scan the progress of how her teeth are correcting. I think that's super cool. Uh, it's weird. I know it's like, you know, that, that, that's a, uh, that's one. I'm gonna give you another one, bonus round. Uh, the use of tools like Grammarly, I think Grammarly is pretty funny. You could just say, here's some, write me a thing. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, it, it but if you think about it, you think about how that's being avoided. It's actually that's pretty cool. And then, you know, on, you know, so those those are those are cool technologies. I mean, and then of course also on anything I built,
0: <laughs> love it. That's how it should be. Love it. I I have to tell you, Chuck. I I I use Grammarly, but not for the grammar portion. I use it more as a spell checker. But I purposely try to avoid Grammarly because I feel it takes away from my poor
1: grammar that people laugh at. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> uh, I, I I did it as an experiment on that one in particular. I, I put some bullets. I wrote about it myself first. I have a tendency to write very similar to the way that I talk, which probably means I have used way too many words. You think I was Charles Dickens or something. Paid by the paid. And then I tossed it in Grammarly just to see how the two would compare. And I'm like, I don't know. One doesn't have the effect, but it was was interesting to see how much, you know, that there there might be, you can, it's the old example. You can have the correct answer, but not the right. Right. That's, you know, a way to look at it. Chuck, thank you so much for being on the CyberPro podcast again. We'll see what round three looks like.
0: (laughs) Two more years, though. (laughs) Maybe four years. Thank you for tuning into the Cyber Pro Podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on new podcasts and all of our cool bonus content.